Welcome to the Underwater Technology Podcast from SUT, the Society for Underwater Technology. My name's Steve Hall, and each week I'm bringing you interviews with our friends, members and supporters from the wide spectrum of underwater technology organisations. Podcast 11. My guest this week is Charles Reith, a highly experienced member of the offshore engineering community whose company Seaflow Consultancy provides a range of subsea marine services. Charles has developed a training program built around the professional competency levels described by our friends at the Institute of Marine Engineering Science and Technology, IMRS, aimed at marine professionals seeking professional registration as marine engineers and marine technologists. So it fits in with SUT's aims to develop accreditation in conjunction with IMRS and the Marine Technology Society. At SUT, we also offer a range of training courses, such as our popular Subsea Awareness course, and we are in the process of developing new training products aimed at rising sectors, such as floating wind, and meeting the needs of staff working in marine law, policy, underwriting, finance and insurance. Just as we have members selling a wide range of offshore components and services, so too the training sector is a varied field, and I'm pleased to be able to talk to Charles about his training products, which are not pitched in competition with our own subsea awareness course, but aimed at a higher level for experienced offshore professionals wishing to develop their skills to the next level. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast. Today I'm speaking to Charles Reith. Tell us a little bit about you know who you are, where you were trained, and your career to date. Yeah, good morning, Steve. Uh, so I basically started off my career as a as a marine engineer, uh, working for uh, Texaco Marine, uh, Caltech. Uh, I did a did a BSc in marine engineering at Strathclyde University through a sponsorship with Texaco. Um, I then moved on after a good number of years with them. I worked for some hardware companies on subsea trees, control systems, camera and offshore. Uh, moved into a bit of engineering work as well on the engineering side with the J.P. Kenny Wood Group. And through through them, I consulted on various projects uh, all over the world, really. Uh, deep water subsea systems uh, for Enterprise, Petrobras, Petrobras Joint Venture in Brazil, West Africa. And so come through into being pretty sound background in subsea systems engineering to subsea operations. Excellent. And a truly global career by the sounds of things. It looks like you've worked in most of the major basins. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, and this is my 10th year in running my own consultancy company, Seaflow Consultancy. And, yeah, through that, I've worked in uh, the majority of the basins, as you put it, uh, say Brazil, West Africa, some parts of the Middle East, South China Seas for Premier Oil, uh, 
down in Australia, a core upbringing in, in the North Sea and Central North Sea and, and West of Shetland uh, operations as well. Okay, and and t- tell us a bit more about your company, Charles C- Seafloor Services. Yeah, so Seafloor Seafloor uh, Services is primarily a, a subsea and marine consultancy company with some project management capability, um, and have serviced uh, major operators such as BP. Uh, BP in the Caspian, uh, Total on the west of Shetlands, on Lagan Tormor, um, and done bits and pieces for some uh, marine companies <coughs> as well, uh, like uh, DK Marine and Global Marine, on uh, helping support them with the LNG assets. Uh, so pretty much all around consultancy, doing bits and pieces on engineering design, helping with procedures to support assets, uh, maintaining the integrity of assets, whether it be uh, pipeline inspections, flowline inspections, subsea structures. How valuable is professional accreditation in our sector, you know, does a marine engineer or a technologist benefit from undertaking additional professional training throughout their career? Personally speaking, uh, yes, definitely. It's a it's a continuous improvement process. I mean, some organisations will say it's it's a mandatory step. Depends on some companies for a staff progression. Uh, Otherwise, some other companies will say it's beneficial or it's encouraged. If you want to progress your career, you want to move up the ladder into different positions, then you're going to need it. Yeah. And and how should organizations like SUT and IMRS, IMECI, you know, that whole family of professional bodies and learning societies, how, how should we be working with our members you know, in the community to ensure we're helping them stay up to date with new developments and new technologies? Yeah, I think the right way to do that is that we set up technology forums. Uh, We encourage knowledge share across groups and companies. And it's it's all about collaboration across sectors. and, And I think that's... The simplistic way, I would suggest. Okay, so things like you know the forums and the events and the meetings are, are, are all good ways to take those things. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Okay. And our industry—it's a global industry. Uh, SUT is an international organisation. Do you think that people like us have a role in developing the new standards that we all need proactively, or should we be reactive to what's coming at us from industry? Again, a personal view, Steve, I think we should be proactive as a society and, again, about collaboration regionally and and then share, share that collaborated effort from regions into an international sense. And I've seen it, I've seen it in a few different examples over my career on subsea 
topics or marine topics. And, and I think that's personally one of the, it's one of the reasons I joined the SUT, to be quite frank with you. Mm-hmm. And through my own consultancy now with membership in the Institute of Marine Engineers and Science and Technology, I think it's similar reasons. You're never too old to add a, a contribution. And as a society, it should be taking the most out of different members, you know, as, as a lifelong career progression thing and and, and, among, and amongst the different communities in a global sense as well. Yeah, so I guess that, I mean, for many of our members were, I suppose you could say, raised in the oil and gas sector. And now we're seeing new things like um, offshore floating wind come along where they they can really save themselves a lot of effort and trouble by learning the skills that oil and gas have learned over the last 50 years, really, couldn't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I actually started in the marine side and transferred across more into the upstream side and subsea, and I've ended up doing a fair lot more marine again at this stage. We're still subsea and about both, like, but... Mm. So, yeah, your point about the offshore wind and the renewables... There's a lot of people in our industry can help help that sector uh, mm. and tra- transfer knowledge and expertise across it and and help that progress in a positive way, yes. That's right, and try and save people from reinventing the wheel, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, to finish the point off, I, I definitely... Uh, I actually shared a question or two like this and some of the clients I've been talking to about different training themes and uh, one one particular colleague uh, said we definitely don't need any more uh, extra effort on standards there should be more effort to standardising a lot of the stuff we've got already mm-hmm. That's interesting yeah, because I suppose we've we've had a tradition where many companies use their own proprietary designs and you know be even bespoke connectors and things which turned out not to be compatible with another company didn't they in the past well i mean there's there's a couple of different examples like say subsea trees for instance there's a particular spec that the oil and gas producers have got together on for a lot more standardization whether it's a vertical tree or horizontal tree but the the standard guys and all the vendors make the same widget, yeah? Mm-hmm. But we're far from achieving that today. I can, we're keeping it very simple. We're far from achieving that today. Yeah. In a 10K tree or a 15K tree. And, and yeah, you know, now we're working on 20,000 PSI working pressure rated trees. That's just one example. But And look, I'm not for knocking innovation and technology the industry needs that every now and again but the only point I'm making there is there are some good standards and efforts to reduce cost and through standardization but we still haven't achieved that and and I've seen these specs you know over the last 25 30 years so it's yeah. you know, it's it's about like again on subsea and subsea control systems and umbilicals and communications and data monitoring and all that. 
you know, and, and the bottom line is reliability and availability of, out of a system, an end-to-end solution. Mm. That's, that's what I meant by, and I agree with the person's comment about we don't need to be creating new specs where we've still got these gaps in existing standardization. So we should be proactively working with the industry as a society to help you know, share the knowledge and experience that you have from different regions mm. and make sure that, you know, if there's a lessons to be learned, like some of the operators in the Northwest Shelf in Australia, for instance, had some different issues with controls and umbilicals and equipment, and they got together in the region and they, and they, they worked it out. Uh, and that's the right thing to do, you know. And, yeah. and that's where the SUT and... Institute Marine Engineers can get more involved as well. And my, my understanding now is that you've put a lot of work in, in the last three, three years or so into developing some quite high-level uh, training services. I think that would be fair to say. Yeah, so I basically put together uh, a modular uh, set of uh, procedures and processes to help with the continuous improvement of industry training, Steve. So across both subsea and marine, and and hopefully it uh, provides a good foundation level for uh, personnel who want to register as professional technicians, engineers, and and help a route to chartered status through continuous professional development. And this covers life, life of field subsea operations, well integrity uh, topics, well intervention topics, how the technology is moving as well to uh, robotics, latest, latest advanced robotics and AUVs and AIVs and you know, saving, saving operation expenditure by the use of these technologies and how things can be controlled remotely from onshore, yes. keeping people up to speed with uh, where these technologies are going and, uh, you know, underpinning a lot of the new things that are going on, like uh, in marine transfer of skill sets into the marine sector as well with the, the offshore wind and the, the blue economy, as you would put it. Uh, sure. Okay. And these these are intended to be face-to-face type training courses, aren't they, rather than online? Well, actually, a combination of both, Steve. Okay. Yeah, the, the, we are looking to to hopefully start them off as face-to-face courses, but with this COVID-19 situation in life at the moment, we are looking to launch as a form of e-learning. We're actually looking to try and launch some e-learning courses late June, early July. Uh, So... So, Charles, do you think that we could be using e-learning and you know the electronic tools better than we do at the moment? Yes, definitely, most definitely. I, I see a need for for uh, far more collaboration on on that kind of platform, Steve. 
So this ties quite nicely into the accreditation system that SUT has been working on with IMRS, which would be for Chartered Marine Technologist. And I know our friends in the Marine Technology Society are going down a similar route as as well, uh, as well as the IMRS uh, professional uh, registers. Have you designed this course to work with any of the other professional bodies? Yeah, so the, uh, the core, the heart, the core skill sets and competencies that we're going to be looking for at a technician level are going to, are going to match with other industry uh, accredited societies as well. So the core, the core skill sets, if you like, on the left-hand side of, the, uh, of where we start the process, Steve, fit with the, the UK Engineering Council and, you know, people who are uh, going through the Institute of Mechanical Engineers, for example, or other societies like that, can, can easily work their way through the, through the training as well and, and get to the uh, chartered status through different societies, yes. Okay, excellent. And, and how, how have you uh, engineered the course to make sure that the clear engine, uh, engineering competencies are, are checked against the relevant requirements? Yeah, so the, uh, like I said a second ago, the, what used to be the SARTOR, uh, SARTOR engineering accreditation route, which is, now the, which is now basically the UK Engineering Council Foundation, uh, we've made sure that we checked. We have checked all the core competencies that that you will be uh, asked to comply with on on the left hand side of of any competency profile at technician level. So somebody who's going to register as a marine technician, for instance, we have cross checked what the UK Engineering Council are looking for for a technician or the route to chartered engineer or incorporated engineer. And we made sure that these criteria are embedded into the course. And then we will be checking the registers candidates profile um, and, and verifying and validating competencies um, through each day of the course against these core foundations. Okay. And are these courses aimed mainly at people who do already have some experience in the sector? Yes, yes, there is. Uh, we need to be satisfied that they've got some of the 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 core uh, competency levels in marine and and subsea engineering. Yes, correct. But you know, people who who enter at that with a a shortfall in that are going to take it a bit longer to to come through these courses because they, they do you do require a certain level of of existing experience to progress through these uh, more efficiently. Yes. The the final certificate will be certified against ISO standards and recommended practices as well. So we're working closely with British standards at the moment to make sure that the ISO certification that we're going to provide with the with the course meets international standards 
and international recommended practices. It's something I firmly believe in as well. It, you know, if you're a subsea engineer or marine engineer, like I've been doing for the last 30 odd years, you should be working to international best practices no matter where you are. This is a consistent basis. So, so we can measure and check uh, personnel who, are, who want to be a chartered engineer against the same criteria. So it's a core team of eight, and I've got, I've got other guest speakers, industry guest speakers, Steve, that will come in mm-hmm. for, for key topics uh, across the different modules. So to complement what, what we do, we've got, as I say, a number of guest speakers uh, who, who help complement the specialist areas. For those who've already done the SUT subsea awareness course, what, what is the extra that they'll be gaining from yours to, just to show the difference between the two levels? Yeah, so uh, where a subsea awareness course is is basically a, as an awareness of uh, different pieces of equipment that may be passing through different specialist companies. It is very much, as you say, an awareness course. The, the the difference that you're going to the personnel are going to get of attending this course is it's far more operationally detailed. So to to test their their ability to maintain you know practices best practices in the field as a professional engineer, we're going to be we're going to be walking them through different areas of operational aspects to where, you know, they're, they're working as uh, professional engineers in the field and they may be working towards being client site representatives. And so, so we're testing their competency and their professionalism in the field of maintaining a certain professional standard in the field and, you know, their leadership skills so it's it's a very operationally biased uh, areas of criteria, if you like, that were that were uh, bringing them through uh, and testing their ability to to deliver these competencies in, in a in a consistent manner, no matter where they're working in the world, you know, and, and transferring that knowledge and skill set into some local nationals in different countries as well. And we're even setting it up with uh, with the simulators. So I'm working closely with a, a Canadian company called GRI Simulations, and we basically have a portable simulator tool that can simulate different vessel operations uh, and campaigns. And we can transfer the classroom type training into a simulator model. And we can bring that into the office. They can even they can even check some of their, their training in between when they're working offshore on the simulator. And, and it's gonna be uh, updated on a continuous basis, these models in terms of some generic operations and some that can be customized, but 
So like, for instance, we can bring into these simulations, Dave, things like uh, different Beaufort seascapes, uh, wind and sea state conditions for different vessel operations. So if, if you're installing subsea structures or installing umbilicals or planning different campaigns in different environmental locations where you have to plan weather window uh, operations, then the, the simulations can help you plan your operations and, and test some of your skills within a team environment through these simulated exercises. Okay, well, that sounds really interesting. And so if if our listeners want to find out more or, or get in touch, uh, where, where do they go? Where do they find you, you on, the, on the internet or by email? So they basically come to our website, which is www.cflowconsultancy.com. And there's an overview of the different modular training on there, and you'll find the contact details on there quite easily. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, Charles. And we'll be copying these links into the show notes. Uh, so when you go to the uh, webpage for downloading the podcast, you'll, you'll find the contact details there as well. So thank you very much for speaking to us today. And if anybody has uh, any more questions, get in touch and we'll put you in contact with Charles directly. Thanks very much. Thank you, Charles. It was good to talk to you and hear what you have to say about the field of training, standards and professional competencies. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Join us next week where we'll be looking at the innovative freedom, hybrid AUV and ROV from oceaneering. My thanks to Emily Body for composing and performing the podcast theme music and creating the podcast artwork. Find out more about SUT at sut.org. Contact me at steve.hall at sut.org, particularly if you'd like to be featured in a future interview. Thanks very much and bye for now.